Proverbs 14. Welcome. Nice to see everybody here today. Nice to see the sunshine, isn't it? A bit warmer at last. Should we pray? Lord Jesus, you are our all in all. You have provided it all, Father. You have provided us with salvation. You have provided us with hope and a future. And you have poured out your Holy Spirit. Father God, help us to open our hearts now to hear your voice, Lord, and your word. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts? Would you change us? Would you address issues in our heart that need addressing? Would you encourage what needs to be encouraged? And Jesus, may your name be made famous in this precious town. Amen. Well, Proverbs 14 and verse 4. Let me read you, let me read you four versions of this scripture. Where there are, are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. Where there are no oxen, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Finally, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Got it? Okay. About three months ago, I was innocently sitting in my chair at home, reading my Bible, and I just had this sense of God speaking to me, showing me a picture, and it was like a scene from um, Grand Designs on the TV. And uh, I saw a building site. There is, can you see that? Okay. I saw a building site and I saw a huge channel cut into the ground and wire frames being lowered into those channels. Then the workmen came in and they started bolting things together. They started wiring all of these frames together. And then the concrete was poured over and was tamped into position. Every crack every area, so there were no air pockets. No points of weakness could develop there. There they are, pouring the concrete in. Once the foundation, um, once set, the foundation wires could no longer be seen. But the fact that they were joined together gave it a very solid foundation. And I just had this sense that God was saying this to me. This is what I'm doing at Beacon. I'm putting people in place and I'm giving them an opportunity to be bound together in love. I want to pour myself over them. I want to knit them together to create a foundation that can carry and support something so much greater than can currently be seen. However, this will be very muddy and very messy can shout hallelujah if you want. <laughs> Some people may resist being joined as they fear that they will lose their individual identity. However, as I pour myself over you, 
all of you as a valued and precious component will be part of something so much greater that you could ever achieve alone. As I share this scripture, the scripture this morning, I just invite you to weigh that word, weigh it in your cell groups, just see whether maybe there's some elements in there that God might be saying to us. So, series in Proverbs, what what have we looked at so far? We've looked at wisdom, John took us through that. Do you remember the verse that John took us through? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Anyone tried that? Give it a go? Yeah? He's a God who leads us, isn't he? It's fantastic. David brought us a stunning word about how words and influences and upbringing can affect us even today. Very significant word. If you missed that, please grab the tape or download or whatever they are these days. Ben Smith came over, he talked to us about treasuring the word of God. We also saw from Steve that our speech, the words, things that we say can have such a massive impact. Things that we hear, we need to take responsibility for what we hear and especially responsibility for what we say. So today, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. You see, today's verse is very practical. It's quite difficult preaching on Proverbs because you can't sort of teach wisdom. You normally learn by falling off the bike, don't you, rather than telling you how to do something. But we've got to move from all of these phrases to the reality of the everyday life in which we live. And we've got prophetic words over us as a church, haven't we? Which is always good. And how are we going to prayerfully get stuck into what God is laying before us? And one of those ways, I'm very sorry to say, (laughs) is that we need to grow individually, we need to grow together, and it's going to be messy. Don't say hallelujah. (laughs) It's going to be messy. Anyone here ever experienced childbirth? Anyone here? I was. I was there. (laughs) Um, As you know, that's a very quiet, calm event where nothing really happens. uh, No, it's noisy, it's bloody, it's messy, but there's growth and there's life. And that can be true and will be true in the church. (laughs) Our daughter's currently moving to a new flat. Our little front room uh, is a little bit messy. Boxes here, clothes there. Stuff downstairs is in the wrong place. You have to tread over things. It's messy. It's untidy. But it's for a purpose. It's because there's growth and because there's going to be fruitful outcome. See, God is a good father. Amen. Isn't God a good father? He's a good God. He's a faithful friend. He's a good shepherd. Isn't that right, Barb? He's a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. It's all true. But, you know, we can easily slip into thinking that God is some kind of Nice, cuddly Father Christmas comes and puts his arm around us, so having a little bit of a hard time. You know, oh God, just sort me out. I'm struggling a bit, and he does do that. However, I'm I'm getting increasingly stirred that as Christians we need to take more responsibility in our lives, and part of that is being willing to lose our individual identity for the good of the body, and more importantly for the good of the kingdom of which whose increase there will be no end. We are his army, 
not his waiting room. (laughs) We are to be the army of God, not just sitting, waiting for glory, which I would add, I'm looking forward to. (laughs) We are saved as individuals. Oh yes, we are saved as individuals, but we are called to be a body. My first opportunity to offend this morning and my last. But it is totally unbiblical to say the following. It's only about me and Jesus. It is so wrong. And those of us who've been around the church (coughs) 50 plus years see a litter of people who thought they had something from God and went off on their own. It's not about me and Jesus. It is about us and Jesus and our precious individual walk with him as well. But that is about being linked in to the body. If you crack that one, we'll be well on the way. It's not about me and Jesus. As such, it's us together. But yes, have your individual time with him. Yes, walk with him. Yes, talk with him. Yes, cry before him. Worship him individually. Yes, yes, yes. But also, it's about us being together as a body. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come from the strength of an ox. So growth personally and corporately can be uncomfortable. Here's the challenge. Is God calling you to adapt your life in some way? Is he challenging you maybe to address this once and for all? God can challenge us about a lot of things in this day and age, can't he? This busy world we're in. He can challenge us about our priorities. He can challenge us about laziness. Challenge us about having more quality time with him. And one even this week, challenge us about what's come out, what comes out of our mouth. I am still astonished at what so quickly comes out of my life, my mouth, before I've stopped it. Even twice this week, I've come away going, oh no, why did I, not being really rude or swearing, but it's just gone. Lord, you know, what does the Bible say? Lord, put a watch over my mouth and a God over my mouth hung. If we ever do the series in James, we'll, we'll get to that. But, oh Lord, we're, we're still being developed. We're still being honed. That's okay. But don't receive this as law. Oh great, Julian's telling me I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, 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 no. It's all about grace. We, we sang it earlier, didn't we? We sang it earlier. It's all about the grace of God. We respond and we're motivated, not through guilt or we must or through religious upbringing. We are motivated to be part of the body because of our passion for Jesus, because of the understanding of what he has done for us in dying on the cross, being raised to life. That's why we're, that's our motivation, not guilt. It can never be guilt. I wonder where you're sitting. Are you sitting in the church because you pop in because the tea and biscuits are nice? Or is it once and for all, I need to be part of this body? It's a challenge. You need to be part of a body, my friend. You need to be connected to his church. Whether it's this one or one down the road, it's fine. Talk to the leaders if you're not sure. But you need to be connected to the body. Don't jump from place to place. You will never grow. And in fact, you'll probably be a nuisance. (laughs) But bless you. Let's be part of the body. And it's not law. Anybody here ever heard of McCarthy and Stone? Come on, Dorothy, give me a wave. Yay! Anyone heard of McCarthy and Stone? Well, three years ago, my lovely mum, she was the first person to move into a brand new McCarthy and Stone that was built 
on the south coast and uh, she literally was the first one to move in. And it was great. You know, you go in there and you've got all of the lovely sort of flowers and the beautiful carpet and wonderful wallpaper and, oh my goodness, it was absolutely gorgeous. Free coffee. <laughs> Steve, we're moving in, you know. Hey! <laughs> and it was decent coffee as well, so something, something was wrong there somewhere. But it was really clean, it was really lovely, and, and it was fantastic. And, and we took mum in there and we helped her move in. But there was one slight problem. There was no life. Because only my mum was there. Now, three years later, sounds like Noah and the whale, was it five years later? <laughs> but three years later, you go in there, the paintwork's been knocked, the tables have got holes in them. You know, it's not shabby, it's still nice, but it's kind of lived in. You know, it's kind of knocked, it's a bit bashed. It's a little bit untidy, but there's life. War has broken out over the mobility scooter store. <laughs> they park there, he parks there, I can't get in there. And, and there's grief and there's hassle, but there's life. And friends, as, as we develop and grow as a church, let me tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be disagreements and there's going to be falling outs and there's going to be hassle. I'll tell you why, because when God poured his spirit out, it tells us in Acts 6 that the problem started. They were providing food. So if you've got problems with the food bank or you're arguing over the food bank, have a little look at Acts chapter 6. It's all there. Nothing's new under the sun. Nothing's new. There was a disagreement because people were getting missed. It was part of the progression of the church. The leaders got hold of it. They set people aside and the ministry continued. People got, needs got met. So when problems and difficulties come, and when we face them in the next two or three years as we move about and chop and change, as we get disagreements, let's remember the word of God is, is our anchor. It's the truth. And moaning and groaning also releases opportunity for ministry. Believe me, that is very key. Growth is coming. It's going to be messy. It's going to be untidy. But do you want a bit of good news? Yeah, a bit of good news. A bit of good news. Growth is going to come. Abundant harvest. Growth when we are together. There will be growth. Because Jesus, the increase, as we said, of his government and peace, there will be no end. One of uh, anyone looked out, looked out their window at Fred's house or David Tarr's house recently, and they saw in the middle cold put their fork on their shoulder and troop up to the allotments. I'm thinking, it's pouring with rain, it's freezing cold, what are they doing going up to that filthy, muddy old allotment in all that miserable weather? I'll tell you what, they have a hope of harvest. They have a hope of harvest. It's muddy and grotty and cold up there today, but in August you're going to want to be in their kitchen because Eileen's going to have so many beans and tomatoes and potatoes, they'll be in abundance because they've paid the price. They've got muddy, they've got grotty. And there is harvest. So it does get messy, I'm sorry to say. But as a church, are we believing for a harvest? Yeah. Are we believing that men and women are going to get saved? Are we believing that more children are going to be added there and they're going to meet the real Jesus? Not necessarily the religious Jesus that we were introduced to many years ago. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for a harvest. We're looking for fruitfulness. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. Three things about an ox. Firstly, oxen were used for sacrifices. Did you know that God really loves us? It's kind of good, isn't it? 
He really loves us. He didn't need us, but he really loves us. And he wanted to relate to us. But because of sin, because of the bad things we do, because of our very nature, there was a separation from God which can't be bridged. So in the Old Testament, which is the front of the Bible bit, you see ways that God, God makes ways so the people can have sort of little accesses to God, sort of little short-term measures. And one of those was to sacrifice animals, including oxen. So the priests would sacrifice the oxen, and for a time there would be sort of like a, a kind of a partial access to God. But what God did in his great love is he gave us Jesus. <laughs> Jesus came, we've heard about it, we've seen communion this morning. He sent his son, his perfect son, who is exactly, exactly God's nature. And he came and he died on the cross to take away our sin, to make a way back to God. He kind of became like an oxen for us. And now he's ascended to heaven. So Jesus made that sacrifice. By, so by simply saying, Jesus, I got it wrong. I need you. I recognize that you're God. I recognize you died for me. Come and help me. Live in my heart. By that we can have a new relationship with God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it good? Doesn't it give you hope? Do you ever look at the funeral directors and think that'll be me one day? If you don't, you need to. We need Jesus. Jesus paid the price. He died on the cross and he was raised to life. Jesus is always our example. It says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Isn't that incredible? He knew no sin, but he took it all on and paid the price. He laid aside his majesty, as we heard. That perfect union, three in one. He laid it aside so that we could have the benefit of that joy of relationship with God. It is fantastic. And we too, we too can now live sacrificial lives. Jesus is our example. He demonstrates how we should live our lives. We too can live sacrificial lives. And one of the sacrifices is, I'm going to put my individuality to one side to be part of God's family. Never lose the special things that God's given me, but I'm going to use that for the good of the body, not go off on my own sweet way. Another use for oxen is ploughing. Have you ever noticed anything about oxen when they plough? It's usually two of them. <laughs> and it usually works better when there's two. And I don't know if the overhead's got a picture of two or one. I'm kind of worried now, because <laughs> my computer went wrong when I was trying to find the pictures. But oxen work better together. And when oxen, when oxen uh, are going along, they go, oh, Helen, you star. Right, so little quiz now. What's this animal at the front called? Shout it out. What's the animal at the front called? Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We've got an ox at the front, and what's that at the back? Okay, it's another ox, okay? Two oxen. Two oxen. So moving over the other side, I'm now going to move on to... That's deck and that's ant, is that right? I'm now moving on to... And so I'm now on Ant's side. So who's this at the back? Oxymoron. <laughs> it gets rid of all my spots. <laughs> at the back, you've got the farmer, okay? So, it does the best ploughing job when they're working together, hitched up, and they are guided by the farmer. 
All God asks us to do is to just be obedient and through his guidance, just go. And plough. Just go. You see, if you had just one oxen and the oxen decided he was going to go ploughing on his own, he'd be rushing along and the plough would be bumping up and down and up and down, not always digging into the soil. You've seen lone Christians do that? Oh, I've got a great ministry in healing. Oh, I've got a great ministry in this. And it's bumping and you get a little bit of dirt, a little bit of good, and then a whole mess. No, under the direction of the farmer, let us be linked together and let him lead us and let him guide us just to keep us on track. And wait for it, God can actually use godly leadership to help keep us on track as well. A bit scary, <laughs> but he uses leaders to help keep us on track. So, oxen, ploughing. Paul says this, he says, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, he said, one sows, another waters, but it's God who gives the growth. That's right, God gives the growth, God gives the increase. We simply do our part, we just simply do our part, but it's God that's going to, be the, going to, going to give the growth. You see, oxen are much more fruitful when they're working together. So let's be brothers and sisters who work together, allowing Jesus and those he's put in authority just to lead us, to keep us in line. We'll get much more of a job done, I can assure you. And also, do not take the pressure off. It takes the pressure off when Jesus leads us, rather than trying to carve out our own way. It doesn't work. Let's let Jesus lead us. Thirdly, in the Bible, the, the oxen always gives you a picture of strength. And uh, turning to one of my favourite verses, which is in Psalm 92 and verse 10. And uh, you'll see in sometimes some versions it uses the word horn. But uh, another interpretation for that word is strength. So if you look in your Bible, it might say, you've exalted my horn, which is fine. But that's a representation of strength. So look at the NIV. It says, you have exalted my horn or strength like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured over me. ESV says, but you have exalted my horn or strength like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. New International Reader's Version says this, you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have poured the finest olive oil over me. I think I prefer that one. Nice, nice olive oil. And finally, you have exalted my strength like that of a wild ox. You have anointed me with fresh oil. Just put ourselves in a place to receive the fresh oil of God, something which we're going to do in a few minutes. Oxen are strong, aren't they? Oxen are strong, but we are pretty weak. (laughs) We're pretty weak. And God says that he can strengthen us by his Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. I know you have to be aware of the context, but it says that when I am weak then I am strong. We can get overwhelmed with weakness, can't we? You're tired, you're weary. Still pray for that person. It's worth it. It's worth it. It is God who strengthens us. And of course, as we step out in weakness, it means our reliance can only be on him. There's no place for strong superstars in the kingdom. We step out in weakness, but with the strength that God gives us. And then, as the last song we just sang, He gets the glory. Glory to God. 
he gets the glory. Because it must be him, because it certainly couldn't have been me. It's got to be God. I just wonder if it's time to release a few Christian bulls in a few sinful china shops. You've got a passion for Jesus. You've got a passion for righteousness. Do you angst against some of the mis- the dis- un- lack of justice in this world? Perhaps God's calling you to be a Christian bull in a sinful china shop. Get in there. <laughs> Get stuck in. Let us receive strength to serve. Let's receive strength to do business for the kingdom. Let's receive strength to worship God and to minister to him. We sing, don't we? Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Not necessarily about feelings. In fact, for me personally, it's very rarely about feelings. It's an act of faith. Lord, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to step out. Lord, strengthen me. Just forgive 30 seconds on my favourite soapbox. (laughs) But the whole issue of the church, being committed to the church, the whole issue of being submitted to God-given leadership is so key. I can't stress, from my heart anyway, how strong I feel about this. It's not easy. In fact, it's really easy because we have to die to self. But Jesus said that he will display his glory in the church. The glory. He said that healing is in the body and that to be complete in him, we need to be fitted into God's family. Wherever that is, that's fine. You think, oh great, here's Julian, he's banging on, against, banging on again about church ministry and church membership rather. I just wish he'd give it a break. Well, I saw something a couple of weeks ago which kind of made me a bit shocked, which I'd like to share with you to just um, have a look at. Because there's a story in the Bible which tells about a people who are living quietly, a people who are living quite content, quite happy, But uh, one of the key things was there was no one in their life telling them what to do. Now, the whole story is found in Judges 18, and you probably want to go away and have a look at it later. But uh, in a nutshell, there's a group of people called the Danites, and they were looking for land for them to inherit. They wanted somewhere to live. And they were getting tied up with false idols and various bits and bobs. It's a bit complicated, and I certainly don't understand it all. I really don't. But there's a very interesting part of the story of the Danites. What they did was they sent out spies to try and find a land where they could go and live. So it says in in verse 7, it says that five men came to a place called Larshish. I think that's how you pronounce it. Where they saw a people who were living in safety, like the Sidonians, unsuspecting and secure. And since their land lacked nothing, they were prosperous. Also, they lived a long way from the Sidonians and had no relationship with anybody else. The story then goes on, and 20 verses later it says this. Then the Danites went up to Larshish against a peaceful and unsuspecting people. They attacked them with the sword and burned down their city, and there was no one to rescue them because they lived a long way from Sidon and had no relationship with anyone else. I can honestly say I'd never seen this story before. You know, you read Judges every now and again, but I'd never seen it. 
But did you know it's possible to choose to live a quiet life and not allow the church and God to mess it up? You know, I'd like to get involved in the church, but I don't like so-and-so, and oh, it's just a bit of a hassle, and I'd rather flip from place to place, that'd be better. But the church can mess up your routine, and, and although life isn't easy, it's a lot harder getting closer to your brothers, Christian brothers and sisters sometimes, because it can fill you with dread, because you have to be a bit more vulnerable. It can look peaceful, can't it, to stay alone, just stay in my nice little status quo. But my friend, let me tell you, there is an enemy out there who is seeking to destroy you, to keep you separate and to keep you alone. You may feel unsuspecting and secure, but these are the days that we need to be part of God's family. Maybe it's time to risk taking Jesus at his word and be committed to his family. You see, the side nights, their life looked fine. Uh, they reveled that no one told them what to do. In fact, my, the version that I read, it says, there was no ruler humiliating them. No one telling me what to do. You know, at work, they're always telling me what to do. So they chose to live a quiet life, separate. But they were far from where they should have been. They were trusting in their own strength and independence. And they weren't ready for the battle. It looked fine, but they were unsuspecting and trouble. As the song goes, there may be trouble ahead. Perhaps you never really heard much about this God, about this Jesus. Perhaps you're looking for meaning for life, you know, in this messed up, this messed up world. But I believe that God, by his spirit, can draw you. Can, there's something can happen inside you thinking, I don't know, I just, I just want more of this God. You know, maybe you're living in your own neat little stable. Yeah, there are problems, but you keep yourself to yourself and everyone's got to be kept at arm's length. Maybe you've been hurt or misunderstood, you know, in churches or places that you've been before. You're afraid, again, of opening yourself up to God and to others. But it's simply this. I believe that your manger is clean. <laughs> There's no life and there'd be no strength. And in times of trouble, there may be no one to defend you. And again, I'm not trying to be heavy here. I'm just trying to be true to what I sense the, the word of God is saying here. Because we are a people who are under great grace because of Jesus. Today we can simply pray, Lord Jesus, if you're there, help me and show yourself to me. I'm sorry that I've gone my own way. I ask you to be Lord of my life and to strengthen me, please, with your Holy Spirit. <laughs> Perhaps you're a Christian and you feel lonely and empty and hopeless. I've got really good news. <laughs> Really good news for you. Jesus loves to build up his children. He loves you. We heard it earlier, as John said. You know, he loves you. We are a sweet sound in his ear. He loves us. We have a God who hears. God had ears, then it means he hears. Families. Jesus wants to put us into families. Messy, noisy, but life and security. The world seeks to isolate us. Look through the Bible, you'll see how the devil sought to isolate people. But God wants to draw us into his family. Let's come on Jesus' terms, shall we? Again, we can pray, Lord, I'm tired of trying to control mine and other people's lives. Jesus, please be Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me. Hitch me up to the plough. 
with others. Let me be part of the ploughing. Let me see a harvest of souls where we are. Let me be part of a foundation where many people are going to come and we're going to see growth. Use me, Lord, to heal the hurting. Do you want to pray for the healing? Pray for the hurting more? Pray for healing? Out of the blue, I had a phone call from a member of my family, wider family last night. Out of the blue, they've experienced a measure of God's healing. It is an absolute shock to me. I wasn't even praying for it. God has completely tipped my gyroscope inside my head. I wasn't even praying for it. And it's amazing. And this person is testifying all around to what God has done. And people are kind of... Saturday night, I get a phone call. I wasn't expecting it. I'm too busy preparing the word. No, just God. Just God's on the move. Could God heal today? Now, that's a scary one. Well, we're going to pray for one another in a minute, and we'll, we'll see in that sense. But God wants to use us to heal the hurting and to lead people from the depression that's in this world to a deep joy of knowing Jesus, to know his presence day by day. It says that he anoints us with fresh oil. I want to be anointed with fresh oil. I can't do it in my own strength. In Lamentations, it says that the scripture we all know well, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, except when the weather's bad. (laughs) Except when I'm having a bad day. And his mercies never cease, except when I'm not feeling good. It says his, his mercies never cease. His, his love, his compassions, they fail not, as we used to say. Was God's mercy new yesterday morning? Yeah. Was it new Friday morning? Yeah. Wednesday morning? But was God's, has God got, and it's still morning, <laughs> hooray. Is God's mercy and love and available, fresh, available this morning? Yeah. Perhaps we could take God at his word and ask him to refresh us. We can't do it. On our own, we can only receive from him. I'm going to ask if, if John could come, and um, I'm, going to, I'm going to finish early, because we're in, into miracles. Um, and if John could just very slowly play This Is My Desire. And what I'd, like, what I'd like us to do is to pray, and then let's just turn and let's just pray for one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray, Lord, strengthen my brother, strengthen my sister sitting next to me. Let's pray for one another. There are people here who are unwell, who are battling with health issues. Let's just pray for one another. Let's take God at his word. And then just when it's right, just gently go off and get a cup of coffee. That's absolutely fine. But uh, will uh, John just want to play? Let's just turn. Let's just, just pray for one another. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the truth of your word. Father, I want to thank you that healing is in the body. Jesus, I want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in Joe, is in Maureen, is in, is in everybody in this room, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord Jesus, I pray you would move by your Spirit and heal. Father, move by your Spirit and strengthen Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just, just pray for one another, please.